Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians for estheticians and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to the treatment room. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the treatment room with Tess and Lauren. Today, we are talking all about 2020 beauty trends, specifically in skincare. So it's a really exciting topic. Lauren and I were kind of learning as we were researching and this industry is always changing. So very exciting to see what's on the horizon and kind of we wanted to put our little perspectives on everything that's new and trending. So we will just dive into our topic list of things to come. So the first thing that is a standout as far as new beauty is really a big emphasis on sustainability. We've seen this already with some really interesting and I think favorable products that I would recommend, such as the makeup eraser, which is like a little microfiber towel that removes your makeup. There's also things like cotton rounds, sustainable cotton rounds that you can actually wash in your washing machine. But I think this trend is really awesome as long as you're following the proper protocols as far as washing these things and making sure they're clean. I think it's awesome. And I'm really excited to see what else comes about as far as sustainable products. And Lauren, I know you are a big tree hugger. So I'm sure you're excited for this as well. Yeah. I think this is awesome. I mean, there's just like for so many years and I'm sure this won't ever be completely gone, but like makeup wipes are first of all, terrible for your skin and just also terrible for the environment. Why would you, I can't stand single use things because I just think so beyond wasteful. Um, so I think that, yeah, I want to try a makeup eraser. I never have mostly just because I, you know, use a cleansing oil to take my makeup off, but very curious to see how they work. They are phenomenal. I think they're honestly one of the best inventions because especially, I know I was talking about this with you earlier, but the benefit for acne clients is just so there because they don't need that extra, extra step when something like a cleansing balm may be too comedogenic. And I, I see a lot of times a trend with my acne clients. They like to wear thicker makeup, so they feel they need a thicker cleansing balm because it feels satisfying. But this way, they don't need to put on anything occlusive. And they can, you know, sidestep ingredients like alcohol or fragrance that might be in makeup wipes. So 
I just think it's a really incredible product. Everyone should try. I think everyone needs one. I feel like I need two or three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that if I were to get some, I think I would want one, like one for every night of the week so that I know that I would always have a clean one ready to go if I, you know, hadn't washed it or whatever the deal is. But sometimes to your point, Tess, sometimes less is more. You know, you don't always need more products, more this, more that. So having something simple like this that you can always count on that you know isn't adding any extra ingredients or like you said, alcohols or anything to the skin is is really good. Right. And on that note, you just reminded me for people who are concerned with overwashing or maybe they work out a lot and they don't want to be you know, constantly cleansing their skin before a workout. I think this is a great alternative to kind of remove makeup before a workout without needing to do a full on cleanse. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point, especially if somebody like, you know, I always think about it whenever I go to Pilates, it's like my drive Mm -hmm. home is literally five minutes and Mm -hmm. I leave and go straight home. I don't ever run errands after or anything like that. So I don't wash my face before I leave the gym, but or the studio, Pilates studio. But if you are, you know, have an hour commute home or you're going to go to work after or run some errands. Yeah. Having that, that you can clean your skin without stripping or having to, you know, bring around a cleanser, a washcloth, a moisturizer, like all this stuff with you. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. I think especially before the workout, it helps Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, you know, where it comes straight from work and wear their makeup to the gym. So this kind of would be a nice option. So you don't have to do before and after just because that can be too stripping, but I'm so excited to see where sustainability goes in beauty. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see if that comes into play in treatment rooms, if estheticians are going to start using, you know, reusable cotton rounds or things like a makeup eraser. So we'll have to see. That's so interesting. Yeah, that'll be really cool. So, okay, next up on our list, um, we want to talk about CBD as a an emerging trend. And just on a personal, more business note, I see CBD companies at every single show that I go to. They are literally everywhere and there's tons of them. And I think that obviously because marijuana is becoming something that's more it's legalized more and more throughout the US you hear states popping up you know all over the place that are legalizing or at least decriminalizing and you know CBD especially being a um what's that word it doesn't it's like a non hallucinogen mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have the THC in it that actually gets you high i think it's a really accessible thing for a lot of people and you know people are seeing great results from it i personally have never worked with it and i know you haven't either test So I'm very curious, just on a personal note, to see how this would work in treatment room and then also just, you know, at home. I know one of the main benefits is is its anti-inflammatory properties, but other than that, I don't know too much about it. Yeah, I've I've used CBD body lotions at home and I feel a slight difference, but as far as, you know, using on the face in the treatment room, I have no idea. And I know some people rave about it and the CBD facials are really big. My question is just, is it more of a buzzword? Is it just, you know, generating hype? Does it true? Because I know it does have anti-inflammatory effects, so I don't want to knock it, but is it as great as the hype? I just need to see more 
research and hear more. To yeah. Yeah. I think decide. research is obviously going to be the best thing in this case because, I mean, CBD has not been around for very long. I mean, marijuana has also obviously been around longer, but there's never been those long-term studies that tell you like really truly what the effects are um, on, you know, a lot of people over a long period of time. And obviously that takes time. So we're not going to have that right away. But um, yeah, I'm very curious as well if it's just more of a, of a hype or if it, because I know that people say the main benefits are for, you know, um, injuries or even people with like neuro issues, like cerebral palsy or whatever. Um, But yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering how does that translate to skincare? You know what I mean? And how does that translate to different conditions in skincare? Like the anti-inflammatory properties, the first thing that comes to my mind is like really inflamed acne or um, or rosacea type skin. Like I would assume that it would be really beneficial for those types of skin. But again, mm-hmm. I've never worked with it, so I don't know. But I kind of want to get something for myself and just try it out, see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a body lotion is a good place to start if you have aches and pains or if you're somebody yeah. who works out a lot. I've, and especially when I worked at a quote unquote clean beauty store, Credo, we had a lot of CBD products and people, you know, really claim that they help them. My dad uses CBD oil on a regular basis now because he has arthritis and he swears by it. So it seems like it it can be potentially life-changing, so I won't knock it. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into upcycling. So another, a little bit similar to sustainability, but we are seeing more brands come about with either, you know, packaging that can be reused or recycled, or a lot of brands are just capitalizing on the fact that you can use the actual product packaging for another purpose. I know at Dermaplus, a lot of our clients reuse our little jars as tea light candle holders, which is so cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And I know there's a company called TerraCycle. We also had this recycling program at Credo, and it just gave consumers the opportunity to bring in their old packaging and just recycle it for free. They would get point rewards for it. And it's just cool because the company would repurpose it into future beauty product packaging. So that's really cool to see because in the beauty industry that just the amount of waste is crazy as a billion dollar industry. Yeah. It's a little out of control. Yeah. Upcycling. Amazing. I think that everybody should be upcycling with pretty much as much as you can. Like I currently have some jars sitting on my kitchen counter that I need, you know, just sauces and stuff that I haven't used Mm -hmm. that I need to empty out. And I plan to use to store homemade sauces. Like my, you know, I'll make a salad dressing or pasta, you know, sauce or whatever that I can store in those. It's also better. This is a total side note as far as it's not beauty related, but storing in glass is a lot better for, um, Mm -hmm. for your body because you don't have those toxins leaching into whatever you're Mm -hmm. eating, um, which I would assume can be the same, same said for skincare as well. You want to make sure everything's as as pure as you can get it. Yeah. I always, I love the Gerald, I think this is how you pronounce it, Gerald Steiner mineral water. Mm. And I will just reuse the the glass bottle it came in over and over or use it to put flowers in. Like, how cute. You know? Yeah. You know? 
get a few uses out of something. Yeah. Upcycle. Put some tea in there. Yeah. Yeah. Do it as much as you can. It's also, it, I don't know, it feels really good. It's like, ooh, I'm doing something good for the environment and you feel all proud of yourself. So definitely something to try out in 2020. Totally. So next we wanted to talk about this one. This is a pretty big one, I think. Um, mm, the micro, huge. yeah, the microbiome movement. So this obviously originates, I think, with gut health. Everybody's mm-hmm. obsessed with their gut health right now, which I think is amazing because I think it's one of those things that nobody really knew how important it was until recently. So I think from that, everyone, you know, getting really in tune with their gut health and their microbiome in that sense, it's now obviously moved into skincare. So we're seeing a lot of products that have prebiotics, probiotics, postbiotics, I mean, all these different things to help the, you know, the barrier on your skin. And I think that it's going to be a really, really, really popular movement. And it's one that I need to educate myself a little bit more on. But I'm very mm-hmm. curious to see the products that come out and how people are using this in the in the coming year. Yeah, I think it is so interesting. And it's almost a little bit counterintuitive to kind of my knowledge base. And I'll explain that. So the idea of, you know, microbiome friendly skincare and probiotic skincare is that the more strains of bacteria you have, the healthier skin is. But, you know, as an esthetician, we are focused a lot on antibacterial types of ingredients like salicylic, for example. And it's interesting because dermatologists and and doctors are now saying things like acne and eczema are coming about when people have, you know, kind of over exfoliated or over cleansed or just stripped their the good bacteria to the point where they start developing skin conditions. But this is saying introducing more bacteria can kind of counter that. But then at the other hand, we're thinking, oh, I need things like salicylic to help reduce the bacteria in my skin. So it's, I think, a really interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the, I think balance like is a big word with this because you know, it's the same thing I think with our bodies and what we eat. And, you know, if you're constantly taking antibiotics internally, we know that that messes you up, you know, it messes up Mm -hmm. your stomach. It just can have such long-term effects. So I think that that's now being seen in the skincare industry, just like you said, Tess, they're using, everybody's using salicylic and benzoyl. If you have, you know, acne and we're exfoliating and we're using retinol and we're doing all these things, and this happens a lot, I think, with acne clients. You know, they they strip, strip, strip because they think their skin is too oily, it's dirty, there's bacteria, so they want to get it all off and then their skin will be clear. But there's such that major balance that needs to happen. And I mean, on the most basic level, there's a moisture balance. You know, when you're stripping, mm-hmm. you have to make sure you have the right moisture. And I think that's now just being up-leveled to the point where we realize, okay, it's it's moisture, but it's also the good bacteria on your skin. It's the good fungi on your skin. It's it's all that stuff and not just a matter of dry versus uh, moisturized. I think, yeah, exactly what you said is key, bringing the skin back to a state of balance. I think this is where it's really intriguing for people. And we've seen this trend with a lot of big brands, especially I think Tula is one of the, they were one of the pioneers of the probiotic skincare movement. And you know, they've also really tapped into the social media influencer community. 
so they've been really successful. So it'll be interesting to see what brands kind of come about if existing brands start to create more probiotic skincare. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've heard both sides. I've heard that your skin can't topically, you know, react to probiotics the way your digestive system does. But I've also heard germs say it can. So I'm, again, a little bit on the fence. So it's interesting to see as new trends come about, new information and counterpoint of views, you know, continue to evolve. So you will have to stay apprised. Yes. Okay. So next up, I'm excited about this one. Um, Yeah. Supercharged SPF is um, from what we hear, going to be a really big trend. And it's, you know, obviously we're all obsessed with SPF as it is. Um, but I think 2020 is going to be a big year for just kind of adding in that extra bit of, mm-hmm. you know, protection that we need. Let's see, um, I'm looking on this, we got the supercharged SPF idea from this birdie article that we found. And, um, there's, there's issues within Skin, uh, sunscreen just in general as far as nanotechnology and then also reef safe ingredients so for nanotechnology it's obviously having particles that are so small that they pass right through your skin and into your bloodstream um, which has been controversial in the sense that we might not want those chemicals in our bloodstream um, and the whole idea with nanotechnology is to make sunscreen invisible because as we know like zinc and titanium are um, they're big molecules. So they sit on top of your skin, but they have that white cast. Um, And then the second issue being reef safe ingredients. So a lot of these nano um, particles and a lot of these chemicals that are used in sunscreens are just really bad for reefs. So um, this was big when I was in Hawaii. Um, They have a movement to ban um, all nanoparticle sunscreens and sunscreens, like certain chemicals, like I think oxybenzone is one. Um, that are just really bad for the for the marine environment. So those two things, I think, are going to be big for, for this coming year in sunscreen. Um, and also, you know, certain formulas that might start blocking blue light or um, anti-pollution, just kind of amping up that protection factor of sunscreen while still being safe for your skin, but then also for the environment, I think is going to be big. I I agree. I think that's going to be huge. And if brands can find a way to market anti-blue light products, I think that I think there's going to be a huge market for that for Mm -hmm. sure, because we've already seen the blue light glasses really start to blow up. Right. And I think a lot of the same people who are into beauty and, you know, capturing perfect selfies might also be the same people who are on their phones a lot, you know, yes. us millennials, we love our skincare. We love our, <laughs> our phones and our screens. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see where this takes us. Yes, I agree. I'm excited to see it because obviously protection is one of the best things that we can do for our skin, if not the number one best thing, if you ask me. So I think that mm-hmm so excited to see it. I think that sunscreen can just, Mm -hmm. it can definitely be improved as far as texture and Mm -hmm. feel and, Mm -hmm. you know, and also more transparency on what, what works, what doesn't and what, Mm -hmm. what's good for the skin, what's not good for the skin. I think it's just, I think it's a really a, cause you know, sunscreen is chemicals. So it's like, 
or for the most part, it's chemicals. So I think there's also a lot yeah. of confusion. Yeah. And yes. yeah, I think education this year about what ingredients are good, what are maybe not so good, and you know, vice versa. Maybe it's different for different skin types, et cetera. So blue light, oh my gosh, is such a big one. And also infrared, like when you're cooking and the, you know, the heat coming off of mm-hmm. your um your stove or whatever else, that can also be um, you know, detrimental to the skin. So Yes, very excited for new sunscreens this year. And just like Lauren was saying, I think we are going to see more education in terms of SPF and quote unquote clean beauty. I know a lot of people have kind of the conception that mineral sunscreen is, you know, free of chemicals, but ingredients like zinc and titanium dioxide, those are chemicals as well. So I think we will see more transparency and hopefully more education in terms of sunscreen and other ingredients. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a really good year for sunscreen and just kind of getting people on the bandwagon of knowing what it is that they're putting on their skin and and why they need it, why it's so important, why all estheticians have been screaming about sunscreen mm-hmm. for years. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get into blue beauty next. This is a word we, or a couple of terms we hadn't heard before doing our research. So blue beauty. So this is basically referring to, as far as I understand, reducing water consumption in the finished beauty product. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like companies are working to reduce amount of water in their products for sustainability measures. So probably making products in more solid forms, more concentrated forms. And I don't know if they're going to leave it up to the consumer to dilute themselves. That's a big question mark of mine. Or if it's just going to come, you know, consumer ready. But I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I mean, water is a really big issue in the environment globally. We are running out of fresh water. So, you know, obviously the less we can use, the better. And and I think it's also a big misconception that if you don't live in an area that doesn't have a drought, you know, isn't in a drought. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Tess and I both grew up in Southern California. So we have been basically in a drought for our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we understand the whole, you know, reducing water. But when you're in an area that doesn't, you know, isn't in that drought, I think it can just be, you know, something that's not at the top of your mind. But reducing water consumption, you know, freshwater consumption where it's not necessary. So obviously drink as much water as you feel like you need. But maybe we don't need all that water that's in those products. But like you said, Tess, I'm very curious about how this will work. Because my first question is, okay, are they adding more water currently than Mm -hmm. is necessary? Mm -hmm. So will these products be totally safe and consumable, you know, in their finalized way? Um, or is it going to be so much less water that you're yet, like you said, you're going to have to add water to it. Is it going to be extra concentrated? Does that pose an extra, um, risk to the consumer if they don't use it properly? I think there's, there's a lot of unknowns with that, but I think I really like the, the idea overall. Yeah. And I think they're also talking about, a zero packaging element of Blue Beauty, which means, and I think we've seen before, have you seen those soaps that, you know, come without any type of packaging? They're just 
ready to be used or, or they come in little capsules. I know I saw it on Shark Tank once and I thought that was really yeah. cool. But yeah, just products you wouldn't need any packaging for. So jury's out to how you would kind of keep it sanitary and, mm-hmm. you know, keep it away from air exposure. But again, so interesting to see where sustainability will will take us as far as the beauty industry. Yes. So next up, um, anti-pollution skincare, which kind of kind of goes hand in hand with the supercharged SPF, but um, but I think more products are going to be geared towards anti-pollution. We it's no secret there's pollution mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. There's toxins everywhere. Um, that's mm-hmm. why air purifiers in your home are such a big thing mm-hmm. right now. So obviously our skin is it's our largest organ, and it's it's the first defense against. Um, pollution and toxins that are in our environment. So having anti-pollution ingredients in skincare, I think is, is amazing and just goes hand in hand with your SPF of that like protection factor. Um, however, I'm curious with this, what, what ingredients will be used for this? Cause the first thing for me that comes to mm-hmm. mind is antioxidants. Like we talked about, you yeah. know, because they're, you know, they neutralize free radicals and that's like a chemical reaction that's happening within your skin when you have those, um, those products on. So will we just see more focus on antioxidants or are we going to see more occlusive products, which as we know, you know, have good properties and not so good properties, not great for everybody. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious like how this will, will come to come to fruition in these products. Right. I'm just curious if if companies are going to kind of rebrand things like vitamin C mm-hmm. and, you know, just put anti-pollution on the packaging and, you know, see if that draws more people in. So it seems like these companies are being pretty tight-lipped about what is going into the products. We saw an announcement, Clay de Poe will be relaunching its global bestseller, the Correcting Cream Veil with Pollution Defense, SPF, and Super Light Reflecting Technology. So really curious to see that ingredient label and see what is going into anti-pollution skincare. Is it actual new technology or just a rebranding of good old standbys like vitamin C. Yeah. Interesting. It'll be cool. I love the idea of it. And I hope that it's new ingredients. I hope that it's things that will add an extra boost to our skincare because obviously I want, <laughs> I want everything that I can to protect my skin. So yeah, hopefully it'll be some new ingredients and some things that we can, you know, dig our hands into a little later on. Yeah. We'll see. So last up, I'm really excited about this one. Um, clean beauty being defined with full transparency. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. And this, I think, stems from beauty to food to Mm -hmm. everything because the words clean and natural Mm -hmm. are like, or non-toxic, you know, any Mm -hmm. of these kind of buzzwords that you see, there's no regulation to them. And I I don't think a lot of people know that. But there's no. no regulation to these words. Anybody can say clean. Anybody can say non-toxic. Anybody can say natural. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. everything is, quote, unquote, natural and comes from a natural substance before it's synthesized. So mm-hmm. there needs to be, in my opinion, some kind of regulation so that basically so people aren't tricked. Because I know a mm-hmm. lot of people, unfortunately, that see those words, oh, it's all natural. You know, it's like, that sounds amazing. Sounds great. But then when you look into it, it's not, it's not quite so natural. <laughs> 
Right. Like, uh, what are companies saying? Is it actually, like, made sustainably? Is it vegan? Is it free of alcohol? Is it, you know, I think a lot of times it refers to the dirty dozen list and being free of that. But I think it's, you're right, very unclear. Yeah, super unclear. We want to know what's in it. We want to know what we're consuming because, you know, at the end of the day, we're putting things on our skin. And while we're not physically eating them, they are still being absorbed into our skin and into our body. So personally, I want to know everything that's in my skincare. I want to know if there's parabens, Mm -hmm. if there's phthalates, Mm -hmm. if there's, you know, phenoxyethanol. I want to know what's in there that is controversial, to be honest, because I'm a person that believes, you know, generally where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to know. I want to, I, I think people should have the right to make as informed of decisions as they possibly can. So if there can be some kind of definition to what quote unquote clean beauty is, if there's some kind of regulation that says you can only put the word clean or natural or non-toxic, if you meet X, Y, and Z, I think, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like these brands like Tata Harper and Drunk Elephant are able to really put a premium on this label of clean beauty. These are expensive products, like probably twice as much as medical grade and professional grade products that I've seen. So like you're saying, I would love to see some regulation if they're going to attach these price tags to it. And I know companies like Drunk Elephant have kind of had to launch their own list. They Drunk Elephant launched this list of the Suspicious Six, I believe. Was it, was, did they kind of create that where they were yeah. saying, these are the ingredients that, you know, we deem can be harmful to the skin and that we see complaints from? Yeah. Yeah. So that came, yeah, that was their list that they made that, you know, they, they had scientific backing for all of, all of the things that are on their list, but it was something that they made. It wasn't like a regulation Mm. from any type of like official um, entity. It was just kind of their own thing. And it's like not, and I'm not saying because I, I tend to buy non-toxic and I'm a big believer in plant botanicals being, you know, one of the best options for the skin, but I'm, when it comes to, you know, like almost instilling fear as a way to generate like a cult following or something, I think like you're saying, it would just be healthier for everyone to understand a regulation and, you know, yeah, not, not feel that a brand is deciding because then it's always going to be biased because it's just confusing. I think for most people, because like you said, if, if, you know, a certain brand is saying these are the bad six ingredients that you don't want, it's basically like you can't trust any other skincare brand because Mm -hmm. they might have these things in there, but trust us because we don't have X, Y, and Z. And then there's another brand that says the same thing, but with different ingredients, you know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like we have to have that regulation and we have to have some kind of transparency here because I mean, because for instance, the suspicious six, I just Googled it. Um, and on drunk elephants website, their suspicious six are essential oils, drying alcohols, mm-hmm. silicones, mm-hmm. chemical sunscreens, fragrances and dyes and SLS. So those are the suspicious six, according to drunk elephant. 
And there's, I can see, I mean, there's like three or four things in here that are very controversial. Essential oils are a big controversy. I personally have no problem with them. Um, Silicones, also a big controversy. Uh, Chemical sunscreens, controversial. Uh, Fragrances and dyes and SLS and drying alcohols. I think everybody can agree that we don't love those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I just think it creates the confusion for the consumer. They don't really yeah. know what they're getting. There's no, like, there's no board or like scientific, you know, regulation for it. So I think, oh gosh, I hope this really, as you guys can see, I get a little fired up about, you know, no, natural skincare. I love it. And I do too. And I was just kind of venting to Lauren because when, companies create this fear, it tends to spread like wildfire. And recently I had a comment on my YouTube kind of tearing me down for promoting essential oils, Mm -hmm. which it's just like these blanket statements of saying all essential oils are bad. I think it's just, we have to understand that things are it's it's more controversial than just a one-sided thing. Like certain essential oils can have very healing and medicinal and antibacterial, anti-inflammatory effects for the skin. It's about how they're diluted. It's about the sourcing. It's about the concentration. It's about the specific use case, which essential oil is it? Because not all are deemed good for topical use, but it's just people hear a rumor like this and then they will, you know, jump on a bandwagon. So I think the more education, the better. Yeah, I totally agree. So that's what I'm really hoping for because I don't know, I personally, I I try to make everything in my life from my skincare to my food, to my cleaning products, to, I mean, literally everything. I try to make it as non-toxic and as quote unquote clean, you know, as much as we can trust that word as possible. But again, I mean, even for somebody like me, I mean, I pretty much live and breathe this stuff. Yes. It still can be so confusing because you hear one thing like parabens, I know are one that's a huge, huge, huge controversy because there's people who are diehard that they are terrible, terrible, terrible. And then there's people and like people who I trust, like Caroline Hirons, that say that the science has completely dispelled, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that they're even dangerous at all. So it's just like, you know, how do you, how do you really, you know, how do you make that choice? I don't know. It's kind of like, we all just have to do our own research for now yeah. and try to make as best a decision as we can. But if we can get some, some type of regulation, I think that can only do good things. Totally. Because even as quote unquote, you know, natural or more alternatives to things like parabens come about, you have dermatologists saying, you know, we've been testing parabens for years. We're really comfortable with, you know, understanding how they work in a lab setting and in products. When we have new things come on the marketplace, you know, it may be more unpredictable and same, just same goes for all new ingredients and all products. The more testing, the better. So, you know, we'll have to see. So yeah, that's our eight things. That's our <laughs> exciting eight for 2020. Exciting eight. That's our little list. Yeah, that's our list. So that's our anyways, list. yeah, that's what we saw on the internet and what we kind of saw popping up as far as big trends go for 2020. And personally, I'm really excited about all of them. I think that skincare is just so ever-changing. 
And that's, I mean, of course, that's what we all love about it. And I think that's what keeps it exciting and why, you know, why we, you know, keeps our attention basically. So anyways, we're excited about it. I would love to know what you guys think, what you see as big trends coming in 2020. Let us know. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you in the next one. Bye.